welcome to the JMS Podcast with your boy Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is Odita Tarani. I hope I pronounced that right. She is a musician here in San Jose, California. She's part of the band called Invisible Light Agency. I had to put a little pause in between. I want to make sure I got it right. I felt bad because the first time she told me about it was, uh, was about a year ago. I keep confusing it with Electric Light Orchestra, ELO. So it is not ELO, it is ILA, Invisible Light Agency, which she told me how they even came up with that name, which was very fascinating. And on top of everything else, how she uh, traveled from Kosovo and working with the EU to coming over here to San Jose, California. So stay tuned for that talk. But before we get there, a very special, important announcement is you're probably listening to this podcast episode. You might be working. You might be going to school. You might be be playing hooky. I don't know. Whatever it is you're doing right now, listen to this podcast. Just do one thing for me, and that is press the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher Radio. Uh, it, It helps me keep track of how many listeners I got because I'm trying to come up with the sponsors program, and I need some data. And I need to know people that, that really support this podcast to start subscribing. I would appreciate it very much. You can follow the JMS podcast on Facebook. Also, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter. There we go. This podcast is on your social media. Can you believe it? You better do. You better be believing. All right. Let's see, people. Uh, before we get to the conversation, I would like to... Uh, Ah, what's the word I'm looking for now? I, I would like to express a defining moment in my musical career. Now, as uh, some of you may know, I'm involved with a variety of things. You know, I do stand-up. I do quite a bit of filmmaking and a bit of a bit of music here and there. But the thing is, is like lately, music ha- has uh, pushed itself in the spotlight right now. And I had a real defining moment recently. I had the opportunity to uh, perform some music at Santana Row, and I did not know what I got myself into until I showed up to this uh, fairly big stage on a Friday evening uh, at Santana Row. And Santana Row, it is where the wealthiest of the wealthiest go to shop, go to hang out, go to whatever. And uh, if you ask me, Santana Row for me is the answer to peace in the Middle East. So many Persians, so many uh, Israelis people hanging out. It's like that's the key to, to peace is pretty much a lot of money, uh, some Abercrombie and Finch, and throw in some uh, Crocs sandals, and you're good. I, I think we should throw a couple of uh, Santana Row kind of blocks in, in, over there in Syria. Maybe that could help. I don't know. Uh, but uh, but they, they, everybody loves their their brand uh, merchandise. All those shirts, all those sunglasses, all all those cars. And the thing is, if you listen to my music, I, it doesn't cater to those kind of people. So when I got on stage and I saw all these people and with their children, I had a decision to make, and that is, oh man, should I play it safe and do a bunch of cover songs? Or did I release the hounds and do some originals? At that point, I never realized. You know, sometimes in life, you have these uh, fight or flight responses, and you never know. You know, you never know which one you're going to choose until you're in the heat of the moment. 
You know, some people are like, oh, yeah, if, if I was that person, I would have totally fought that guy. Or I would have totally... It's like, no, bullshit. All right? I've, I've, I've been in some hairy situations, and you just don't know how you're going to respond. And there I was, in Centena Row, in the belly of the beast. You know, potential, you know, cult leaders around here. All right? And some, some like, the some activities that I've seen on Eyes Wide Shut. I'm sure I'm sure those kind of people are out there, you know? You, you, you had to get your hands dirty to get it to this point of wealth. I'm sure you had to. So I was like, all right, here goes nothing. And boom, I, I do some originals. Started a, a good song. <laughs> wow, that was very pretentious of mine to to assume I have a good song. But <clears throat> my first song, Light Rail Operator, is essentially a murder song. So I, I, I'm sure it's good for the kid kids. Um, well, they, they had to learn jealousy at some point, right? Followed by another song. <laughs> About about loneliness and depression and about the changing dynamics of Silicon Valley, and it it was not the best set in my life and it wasn't the worst set in my life, but it definitely was the most awkward set of my life, and I kind of I'm proud of that moment. I really felt like I stuck to my guns. Uh, I unleashed some lyrics out there that made them think. Hopefully. And uh, it, the awkwardness was real, people. It was very much real. Uh, I, I, got, I got. I don't know. If there are necessarily pity laugh, uh, pity cops at the end of each song, but uh, they were definitely paying attention. And and uh, I, I think uh, I, I only censored myself in the last song because in my last song, Shalala, the opening verse is essentially about a a, a woman. Uh, looking for love through through sex, and uh, and <laughs> as I was gonna up to that point to sing that verse, I, I I noticed the kids again. I'm like, all right, so I just I just skipped past that part and went straight to the other verse about the uh, about a, a poor Latino immigrant, you know, working in the kitchens of downtown. But anyway, I'm not sure if you guys ever been in that position. I'm sure there's some musicians. Uh, even some comedians who are listening in and, and I wonder if you guys gone through that where you're like oh shit this is definitely not my crowd and uh, and you know that you're you're about to you know, you know what it felt like now, again this might sound pretentious but it really felt it, 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 there's a film called I'm Not There and it's pretty much uh, I forgot who, who the fucking guy made it but it's pretty much it, it chronicles Bob Dylan and his many characters and there's one scene which is based on real life um Events that happen at the Newport Folk Festival, where people expected Bob Dylan to come up and and sing, you know, the usual folky tunes and so on, right? And then he goes up there and he just brings his his, his, his he brings a band, right? And he does some electric original music, and it just the people were they, they pretty much it became a mob because they just hated it. They're like, "What is that? Is that even Bob Dylan?" What's going on? But that's definitely how I felt. I felt like I I I, I dropped a a, a surprise on, on those people in Santana Row, uh, and 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 again, I'm proud of it. Um, right 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 after my scent, uh, uh, I got down from the stage. I did my best to not look at the crowd, and I and I went straight to get some food because that's what I do. I, I, I stress eat a lot, and that was a very stressful situation. But other than that, I'm proud of it.
I'm proud of that moment. Will I, will I be invited back to perform at Centennial Row? Most likely not, and that's going to be okay with me. All right. I just want to share that little that little moment of my life, that little milestone, as, as uh, some people can say. But all right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. But before we move on, one last reminder that this podcast has an actual website. That's right. Go ahead and visit Podcast. Dot com. I felt, for some reason I had to pause. It's like no, that, that that's right. That is the correct website, jmspodcast.com. I got some extra content over there. Got some video content. Got some uh, some interviews I've done with some local uh, establishments. So so head on over there after this podcast episode and and check it out. All right, let's move on to my conversation with the wonderful. Eldita. I am going to play one song from their EP, which is available to download on Bandcamp and on Spotify. Search for Invisible Light Agency. This song is called Cassetto. Uh, she did talk about this song, and it left quite an impression on me. I really digged it. And uh, again, Invisible Light Agency. Go download it now. All right. Here is, again, my talk with Odita Tarani.
Obama after me, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Dude, like that for, happened. Like you know, me, you do it, you it, listen to what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark Maron, he's like. Yeah, Valon uh, is like in Mark love Maron's. with him. Oh yeah, he's my favorite comedian. He's a big inspiration for me, actually, for this podcast. He plays podcast. in this glow. He plays uh, in glow. Have you seen it? I've seen it. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's one really of my good. favorite Netflix it's shows. Really good, I have yeah. two more episodes. Two more episodes? Oh, I it's like great. The way he plays. Um, but uh, I, I know that feeling where you have a show coming up, and then for some reason you start feeling a little tickle in your throat. Yes. You're like, oh no, like maybe it'll pass. And uh-huh. as day gets closer, you you know you start, you feel like you're losing your voice and a little then bit. Out of panic, it, it, your throat starts shrinking a little. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, that happened to me twice actually. Um, which, like like I said, I played at Santana Row uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. and I got that through Israel. Like I, he told me about it like a day or two before, so it 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 didn't give my body body enough time to like mess itself up. Mm-hmm. Because usually when they tell me, hey, there's you're going to play at the show like in a month. For some reason, my body goes, all right, halfway through the month, you're going to get sick. And I, I'm going I'm to make I you know, panic. Yeah, that's totally what happens to me. And it's a bit like suggestive. It's it's mind related a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, do you have a certain ritual you do with your with your voice or with your your? I chords? try to do the la, 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 la. But it's just mm-hmm. living with roommates. I don't want to like... <laughs> But do you have like a certain concoctions, like certain teas or certain? Kind oh yes. Yeah. So um, I do drink tea, but I wait. Like what I'm doing right now, I make tea. It's not a certain kind. It can be any kind. I mm-hmm. put honey and a little bit of lemon because lemon is acidic and can like yeah. shrink. I feel like it shrinks my throat. And I wait when it's lukewarm, so mm-hmm. not super warm. Oh. Nice. Because if it's too warm, it kind of will burn my throat and it will like make it irritated and make uh-huh. it worse. Okay. It's lukewarm with honey. <laughs> Something else I learned is don't uh, eat yogurt before a couple of days or a day before singing. Oh, huh, interesting. Yeah, I heard that the yogurt or, or anything with with dairy products can phlegm up. Exactly. Yeah, like if I have milk, so big, big no. Milk is a big no. Yeah. If I have milk, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like phlegm that you don't want and you don't need. <laughs> But, but I, I love yogurt, so like after every gig, I, I go eat yogurt afterwards. You know. So you hold your urges, your yogurt urges. I do. I <laughs> Smart do. man. <laughs> so everyone's drinking beer and doing shots and just going crazy because they enjoyed the gig, and you're like out there eating yogurt. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Actually, that happened to me yesterday. Not yogurt, but like I said, I'm dieting. At least I'm trying to. And Friday is my cheat day, so okay. yesterday was Friday. And after after I played in Santana Row, I just went straight to the counter, which is this amazing burger place. I know. And I went in there. I was like, "Give me the biggest burger you got," and I just went down on it. It was great. That was was great. I hear. Big highlight of my day. I hear. No, I like that place because they do vegetarian options, and I feel so special (laughs) when I go there. I'm like, I can have anything I want because they have it. So you're vegetarian? I am. Yeah. What what uh what level vegetarian are you? I am a (laughs) non-judgmental. Those are rare. Those are very I'm rare. I'm very non-judgmental. For example, my partner Valon, he yeah. eats. He does eat meat. Yeah. And I don't go v- being very judgy. Inside, I judge a little. <laughs> I'm just joking. That's but outside, I'm like, oh, that's totally cool, baby. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and also, what's interesting, I kind of gave. I, I decided I'm doing this for ethical reasons. I also don't like meat, mm. but it combined with ethical reasons, uh, the, my personal like. Ethics that I like. How long have you been a vegetarian? 
Well, it's almost two years now. Okay, so what happened two years ago to be for you to be like, okay, no more meat? America happened. America (laughs) happened. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So you know what? You know what? You have no. You have every right to not eat meat. Now that I think about it, you have every right. (laughs) I don't want to sound like too cocky back home. We have good meat, blah blah blah. But it's at least it's like smaller, smaller. We call them butcher shop. I mean, you. Yeah. I don't know if you have them here. I haven't seen any. A butcher shop? Yeah. Not as many anymore. Everything's been, you know, been corporate and like uh, conglomerates now. Like the the closest butcher shop around here is I don't know, going to Safeway. You know, they got a little butcher butcher section. Yeah. But it's not like what it used to be. You know, where, mm-hmm. like you said, with smaller portions. Mm-hmm. And I guess you know. Uh, and ethical kill like when they kill the animals it's done in more like a sort of like every animal is respected before it's killed you know right. well, not like factory like slaughtered many in big numbers but it's like killed on the mo- oh my god I'm talking about it like it's a good thing yeah. but it's just like the animals are gonna be killed and I'm okay with that because I can't stop that yeah. I just prefer if it is not done for me ah, okay. you know what I mean like there if I could do something to stop it I would and if I like can talk to people about my reasons maybe it will resonate with someone now do you eat meat outside of the United States no I decided not to okay. eat meat but I have to say this though I do eat fish okay. and that's that's for a good reason it's not like I don't respect fish I think gotta get beautiful. your omega-3 in there right I have I need protein I feel oh. really bad sometimes when I'm really low on protein and I haven't been getting very much of it during my diet with non-meat food so i said if i can make the um concession what's the word in english like if i can make the compromise Mm -hmm. to at least have fish then i can afford to be vegetarian or what they call it pescatarian i think when you eat fish so in that way i can do less damage if i do this little damage so i just decided that for now this is going to be it hopefully in the future i can do without the fish i mean they say lab-grown meat is going to be a thing yeah, yeah. So, Actually, we, we did a segment here on this podcast. Uh, a, we have a segment here called Weird New World, and we talk about the future of meat. And these uh, cool. uh, lab-grown uh, protein meat uh, that, that, that seems to be the way of the future, which I'm all for, you know, largely. You know, I'm still, I'm always always suspicious when, you know, it's not really natural. But other than that, I think it's going to feed a lot of people, and it's it's good, hopefully good, nutritious stuff. Well, I was I was reading about this because I was like, how can it be lab-grown meat, and how can they do it? But it turns out it actually is flesh, is meat. Mm-hmm. It's not fake stuff, and there is like the same composition, same molecules, same everything that real meat is made of, and that's good enough for me. Like I don't care where. It, I mean, I'd rather have it come from a lab rather than from a live being that you right. know was having fear before they were oh my god i'm going to turn off some of your <laughs> listeners well, that's like, i don't thing. want to be it, lectured on vegetarianism <laughs> but if i just want to talk about my reasons once you know something has an emotion you like you can't you you're very merciful what's the word i'm looking for uh, sympathetic. I'm very empathetic, though, as yeah. because I, I'm also I've been a therapist, so I'm all I'm trained. You've been a therapist back home, yeah. I've worked as a therapist. Wow. For a little bit, yeah. So um, I'm I'm trained to 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 be empathetic. I was always, but I'm also trained to furthermore to be more empathetic towards others' feelings. So I'm mm-hmm. always thinking how the other person is gonna feel and that's kind of like not good for me because it obstructs me to do many things because i don't want people to feel a certain negative way or animals in this case 
I agree with you, especially when you're a creative person. When you're a creative person and you open the floodgates to other people's, you know, feelings mm-hmm. and how your work uh, affects them, mm-hmm. like you're like, oh, I hope it doesn't, you know, affects them too badly. Or you, like for me, yeah. I, I really get insecure about that. I was like, well, what if this song offends some people? Like, what if some people are turned off by this song? Yeah, but I think it's it's in this case in in terms of arts, it's good to be able to uh, shut down a little bit the empathy, be more rebellious, and just kind of because art is about getting things out there that you wouldn't normally do through a conversation, mm-hmm. but you do it through other ways that are more like I don't know, come from an internal from somewhere inside and are mm-hmm. are pictured or painted or sung or an expression e- expressions yeah. that you don't normally express with words so those impulses those like buried impulses be that against government or against society or against this part of life or against this p- person even yeah. like i don't really like to roast a person with music but if that's what you need to do that's what you need to do <laughs> if it's coming from inside i mean it's honest right, right? Yeah. you have to be honest with art how can you how can you be fake with art you know that's yeah. not art anymore then you're just just like a mega pop uh, even pop person can be um can be honest but i feel like at that point it's just a different you just, story you don't want to be superficial like you want to make sure you have integ- integrity with your piece of art whatever it may be yes i agree with that like like do, like when someone's like i know what like certain musicians or even comedians it's like when they do certain material, I'm like, do you even believe what you're saying? And and it, and sometimes you can tell just the way how they're performing it. And and just like think about it this way: every barrier that was broken throughout time, let's say from the from the Beatles' time, the Pink Floyd, the mm-hmm. Doors, whatever, it was broken through art, through music. Like we were at a certain place on the '50s, on the '60s, and then pushing boundaries through art, through music. Like just going a little bit more there. Come on, baby, light my fire. Like that was yeah. probably very ooh <laughs> back at time, which is so tame compared to now, right? I know, and I think I think I can't remember which song, but there was a certain Doors song that was. There was not. They were not allowed to say something on. It will come back to me because it's light my fire. I think right. Yeah, yeah, light my fire. I, I think Oliver Stone's a- film actually portrayed that that situation, where they invited the Doors to perform for this a, a show, and they wanted them to change certain lyrics, and they didn't. Uh, which which uh, I think they got fined for it by, by the FCC. Yeah, and also with the song "The End," you know, cause yeah. "Mother, I'd like to." He goes, he goes and does that. He doesn't say the whole thing, which is I don't know, borderline. Okay, I don't know. See, that's but, 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 art. But he art he even... could say, "Father, yes, son, I'd like to kill you." Like that's yeah. fine. <laughs> but but when it comes to sex, oh no, we gotta censor that that's one. That's a good point. I really didn't think about it. <laughs> Now I think about it, it's kind of <laughs> but um but let's talk about the invisible light agency. Yeah. Um ILA. which is your your band. Yeah. Uh, you guys are a six piece band, right? Uh we alternate between five and six people. I guess like the sixth person is always kind of like in and out. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Uh but uh how, how first of all, invisible light agency, mm-hmm. ILA for short. Uh how did you even come up with this name? 
Oh, it's um. We had such a hard time to come up with a name. I don't know if you've ever had to struggle if the name came naturally to you, or you just had to sit down with your band and want to be cool and creative, and nothing is coming to you <laughs> at the time. And we have this drawing board, and we're going off on names. Things like Crystal Moth come to mind, <laughs> and like different things, things like Cassetto, things like Hex, which we turn into song names after that because we just love those names. And we are thinking, and we're coming from different places. I mean, I'm coming from this culture. Tomek is like this Polish bassist who likes like rock music and like basslines. And Jim is this like stereo lab broadcast fan. And everyone is coming from somewhere. And Dennis has his own ideas. And we were like, okay, what is something that can unify us? And then Jim tells us this story. Well, I kind of always had the thing for this uh, story. It's weird and mysterious. And if our music can just be as, as weird as that, it'd be cool. Uh, do you know the Elisa Lam story about the invisible light agency? There was this building and there's this viral video that went like circulated the internet where this girl gets in the elevator and she's acting all weird just like making these oh, movements was this a real thing it was a real yeah, thing yeah I heard in, in LA right yeah exactly uh, and, and, and this was the agency that was like uh, dealing with buildings and stuff like that it was called Invisible Light Agency oh. and then um, so you're goes, saying it's a cult uh no that's actually an agency oh it's a real <laughs> yeah agency. it was actually it doesn't exist anymore oh. and then she goes and she goes upstairs to the top and we don't know we don't have visuals what happened she died she's because, found she's yeah. found drowned the next day and we were like that like that's real that was horrible the most horrible part was you know because she was in this tank you know on top of the hotel for like days mm -hmm. or even a week and the people who were, you know, trying to get, you know, water. drinking water, Ooh. like they're like, this tastes funny, and nobody bothers to check up there until like like a week or two later, and it's like, and that, that's some creepy stuff. I saw the video, and yeah. it does look like she's talking to someone in the elevator, and there's yeah. like nobody else. We didn't want to have like that connotation, <laughs> but the name just sounded the name so out. cool, and we were like, oh my god, that's a dilemma. Do we want to have that like? connotation with something horror and weird like that but okay whatever we'll do it it's just a cool name yeah and actually two weeks ago or something we kind of had second thoughts we were thinking if we should just be called invisible light or light agency mm -hmm. just you know to to escape that that story to to be more our own thing and less related to that story not that people know it that much but still but then we decided, like, we're going to stick to this because it just, like, matches us. Yeah. And we couldn't decide, honestly. We were, like, half of the group were invisible light and half of the group were light agency. <laughs> so. Well, how do you guys process through this uh, this notion that the, a band name identifies the band? And how much does that really identify your sound? Yeah, so I think that was... that that theory was really strong with us. Although I was kind of always leaning towards that whatever like we can have a weird like a funny or a non-attractive name as the Beatles and we can make it work but then you have to be the Beatles you know what I mean yeah. which is ideally where everyone wants to be but hey who can guarantee that in the Bay Area five six people getting together writing music you don't know how long it can go for and it can last for with or like financial things and everything but we our intention is to make it last as much as possible 
but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you more about the, the ideas of the band. But um, as, as far as the name comes, I was always like thinking we can make the name work. But I do believe they, there's truth to the fact that your name precedes you when you're not big yet. Your name is what is going to be your passport in the music world for people that are going to want to book you, people that are going to want to listen to you, are going to want to like you on Facebook. If you do have a cool name, you do increase your chances of of being sort of attractive yeah. before people can get to your music. And then once they get to your music, then it's just like a combination. But I think music takes over at that point. You can be yeah. the Beatles. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> Not that I have anything against, but it's... Yeah. No, I think about that stuff myself, you know, because when I perform solo, you know, I, I go under, you know, my name, Jorge yeah. M. Sanchez. Mm-hmm. I figure it's exotic enough. It's ethnic enough. I like Jorge right? because I, when you, the way you write it is different from the way you say it, and I, I have a thing for those names. <laughs> for Jay? Yeah. yeah. How, or Jay. However, if I do have a big show where I do have bandmates, mm-hmm. I call them the Wandering Poets. So oh. it'll be Jorge M. Sanchez and the Wandering Poets. Oh, that's cool. that's a that's a cute name. And the point is, it's like it's not a set band, but it, it, it's anybody who's willing to collaborate for that specific gig. Yeah. You know, so all my musicians, they they all you know, some go through cycles, some come back again, mm-hmm. because I feel at certain stages when you're, is that it's hard to keep a band together because people have different. Uh, you know, after a year together, people have different ideas of what to do next, and you know, it's how a lot of bands split up. So I just didn't did not want to go through the, through the drama of like, well, should we change our mate our name like two years later because these these people are no longer in it. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, I just you know. Just have the Wandering Poets as like the default band name, and anybody could be in it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a specific person. But do you go by Jorge and the Wandering Poets? Yeah. Right? So that's that's something my band wanted too. Actually, Jim um, was kind of like the the main writer in the band. He wanted that. He wanted like L and something. You know, for example, have you heard of Melody's Echo Chamber? It sounds so good. This is Lady Melody Prochet. Mm-hmm. She's a French lady and she named it like something like that. It sounds really good. And they wanted like L or Alita and something to be more exotic. But the problem was that I was kind of reluctant to do that because I had a jazz career back home. And with jazz music, you know, you're like the vocalist and the, the band and stuff like that. And I was like, I want to escape that. So I had that. You did not want to be the front man. Yeah. And, uh, which, is, I, is, which is the face of, of the band. It's not that I have problem with. It. I mean, we're kind of all of us are the. Fa- Obviously, I'm in more on the front because I'm the the one that's doing the vocals, and it just so happens the vocals always are on the front, and uh, I'm pushing always the band and stuff like that. But I don't want to be identified as the frontman. I kind of like all of us doing this thing, and it's just sounding cool and everyone feeling good. I hate ego trips, man. <laughs> that they always destroy bands, and I'm just like I don't want ego trips of any sort. And we don't have. We're really good. That's also a rare thing. We don't have ego trips. Everyone Especially among like musicians. So cool. Yeah, it's rare. And, uh, but it helps that everyone has also other bands. So in that way, like everyone has projects that they're involved with. So they don't feel they don't feel the need to feel small or feel big. It's okay with with what we're doing, and it mm. just kind of works very well. I, I really like that about our, our band. I admire no egos. Actually, we should be called No Egos. No Egos? <laughs> See? Okay, I'll pitch this. Look, you know, because I always say, the most, I feel the most supportive creative people out there 
are definitely musicians, at least here locally, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Here in the open mic scenes, everybody's really supportive. That's true. Uh, however, at the same time, uh, maybe through the balance of universe, I still see there's more egos involved in, in the music, even more than comedy, even. you know. So it's, for me, it was an interesting observation. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, where do I fall on the spectrum? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I do agree with that. <laughs> um, oh, you don't agree with that? I do agree oh, with you that. Do agree. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, but but going back to ILA so far, mm-hmm. you know, so far, hopefully, you guys, you know, don't change your name yet before this podcast comes out. Oh, no, we're <laughs> not going to change our name. I think we fell back in love with our name. Nice. But you guys have a, a three track EP that's available on Bandcamp. Yes. Uh, with, uh, with three. Uh, songs. It's actually available on Spotify or on iMusic. I on uh, I said it like Australian iMusic. Okay. Uh, it's available on Bandcamp, and we have a few more demos that are available in Bandcamp. But the EP is like definitely the. And my first impressions, I, I really liked it. I, I really felt it had this like 60s, 70s pop feel to it, like right? like a psychedelic almost. Yeah, but, uh, but with a contemporary feel as far as like you know you got a couple of jazz stuff in there. I feel like your voice uh, that could be from your jazz background. Probably, although I try to escape that. Like I, I try to remain yeah. uh, more neutral. I, I want my singing to yeah. be more flat. Now I gotta admit though, I, I was a little surprised because when I first met you, I believe it was like what two years ago when you came to America. Yeah, with, like uh, almost through Alicia ago. Bogart. Yeah. Uh, you, I remember you, you telling me that you come from a jazz b- background. So yes. I was under the impression that when when I heard you were getting involved in music here locally, that you were gonna check be part of the jazz scene that's happening, uh, but instead this happened. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering what was your decision in that? Yeah, actually, that's really nice you asking because I always like to talk about this. Um, so back home, I was this uh, professional person, and it's it's a small culture like it's a small country and it's an an unique culture and it's more like if you're a professional in this professional world you remain professional and for the listeners who don't know you come from kosovo i do come from kosovo yeah, yeah. cold republic of kosovo now so um back there it just felt right to uh be a jazz musician because I had really good cooperation with existing jazz musicians. I like jazz music, but also there is this added element that jazz music is perceived as like really sort of adult, grown-up, sophisticated music. So as a professional working for the European Union back home, it worked very well that I was just like, you know, doing this very um, small, just sophisticated, sitting on the chair, not really, really an entertainer, but also not not an entertainer, but just kind of in between of that. I could maintain it and work that way. Everyone's like, oh, she's a sophisticated jazz singer and blah, blah. And I have some video materials that are on YouTube and stuff like that. So it worked well. But secretly, I always, I listened to jazz music, yes, but I also grew up with uh, the Beatles, Pink Floyd, The Doors, Zeppelin. Rock and roll in you. I have so much rock and roll within me. And then (laughs) on my later days, I was listening to weirder stuff to um, uh, this Melody Echo Chamber I mentioned and Broadcast, which I really, really like, and Stereolab, which are almost my all-time favorite band. I mean, they do fight with the Beatles in that category, but still, it's like, I, I love them. And I had to do something about these rock and roll impulses buried deep within me, and what is a better place to do it rather than the Bay Area, you know? This cl- we're close to San Francisco, and actually the band started in San Francisco, so we were kind of alternating between San Jose, 
play San Francisco band, but band members kept moving back and forth, life circumstances and stuff. So when I came here, I was pursuing, you know, I was in the idea that I, this is what I'm going to do. I just need to find the right people. I need to find people that understand my musical taste, to which I've been very fortunate with, because my band members, ILA people, we all have very similar musical taste and we all have like, we call it corny filters. So if something corny is about to get out, we're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we know how to stop it. So yeah. when I came here, actually I was lucky to be friends with Milhouse, you know, Milhouse, uh, Alex. Milhouse is like in the music, he's with the jean jackets, he's a musician. So I I told him about my love for Stereolab and broadcast and so on, so on. Now I listen to King Gizzard, Wizard, Lizard, and I listen to Dungen, the Swedish band, and all, all like similar music to this. And he was like, oh man, I really wish you could meet my friend. He has a band in San Francisco, they're called Lisi, they have really cool music. And he is so much into Stereolab and brought, I think you would be like musical soulmates. That's Jim. And I said, well, I'd like to meet them, but it couldn't happen. I was so busy. I couldn't go to their gig. But they decided to go on to hiatus because they had life circumstances coming up. So Jim was interested to have another musical project while he was not making music with Lisi at the time. And voila, Milhouse's sort of uh, lamps ignited. And he was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm just going to introduce him to Aldita. So I was lucky that that like I got to be introduced to Milhouse and Jim. And then we found Tomek. And Dennis was already partnered up with Jim in the music uh, making world. They, they are in Lisi together. Dennis is our drummer. And uh, Milhouse came in as a guitarist. So we just started writing music and making music. And it was exactly what I wanted. <laughs> we have also some more like crowd rockish stuff in there. We have more psychedelic stuff, which we didn't get to record. Because as you know, uh, here recording is not very um, cheap process. It requires the <laughs> financial backing. And we could only do so much at the time. And um, we were fortunate to work with a studio, with the Hyde, Stud Hyde Street Studios in San Francisco. Which is a well-known studio. It is a well-known studio, yeah. Apparently I, Hendrix uh, recorded there and even Beatles practiced there before Candle. Credence Clearwater Revival also recorded Exactly. There. Uh, they even have the yeah. picture of like the vinyl uh, <laughs> front picture where in that very studio. And a, 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 quite a few South Bay musicians uh, have had the opportunity Jefferson to record there. Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> or South Bay. Yeah. Uh, Socora, one of them. Socora, yes. Yeah. I've, I've actually talked to her about this. She told me. She also, in the same studio actually, Studio D. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Now, uh, what is about these three songs that you have on this EP that that stood out for you guys and to put it out there? Because you mentioned that you have other recordings. Yes. So we were looking for um, unique, a unique sound for ILA, and we weren't so decisive. So it's funny with us. We fall in love with a song for a period of time. We're like, oh, we love this song. And we fall out of love with one and we take it off. We don't play it in the set. We're like, no, we're like, for example, now we're not playing the, the song Life Beyond Clocks, which EP Why? is, I don't know. Which is the not, name of the EP. We're just not <laughs> feeling it anymore. Yeah. Like we, we are finding our, our sound and our sound is, is alternating between this odd psychedelic pop and this rock and roll sort of crowd. 60s, 70s. It's just weird. We are still finding it. And there's things that are working for us and there's things that are not working for us. And we wrote some new music which is going 
further towards the direction where we want to go because let's not forget we're five now six people uh cliff who's also known cliff rosen who's also a known musician yeah he i know him kind of joined the band we also have alec dugan he was a south bay area artist he moved to napa now so we get less of alec but we love him and appreciate him so so it's like six people who are bringing things and bringing styles and bringing sound and we're trying to to sort of take what what bounds us together and make that our sound hmm so yeah uh but why we chose those um i think the reason we chose life beyond clock was the newest thing and we were also excited and enthusiastic about because it was a new thing and it was a bit different it was slower and we're like oh this is sounding good and we liked it at the time and then after that we wanted total swirl because i don't know it just has that energy um it's kind of slower it's not very much a um live show song so sometimes we play it sometimes we don't because we feel like it brings the dancey energy a little bit down yeah. but we like the way we love it's kind of like this haunted melody i don't know my vocals are like are sort of just kind of like ooh, like spacey and we like that and then we love cassetto that's kind of for me it's maybe my favorite and i feel a lot it just expresses that that vibe of, of mm. retroism that we identify with and cassetto has to be there and I have a Moog solo so yeah <laughs> so like yeah <laughs> now you say that you have a song there's a person you mentioned there's a person that does the songwriting how involved are you in the actual songwriting of the lyrics and such so, as a vocalist yeah so uh, I'm, I'm involved less than I planned to be I've started to be more involved it was just because when we started the band Jim came with all this stuff that he already had written like the core the skeleton that he had written that was just so beautiful so we had to do it there are songs that we wrote as a band they're not in the album uh, but um, the, the songs that Jim brought was the song that started us off and we mastered those and we worked with those so my involvement comes in in like three ways one is i mainly come with the melody so the type of melodies you hear which many times uh, the, the types of melody i come up with sort of change the agenda where the song is going so maybe we change like jim came with this skeleton but we change some chords we change the rhythm we change the bridge we make a new bridge because the vocals drove it that way mm. Um, and then the other thing is I come up with synth stuff sometimes sometimes Jim had already come, can, can you cover this synth part because I can't do this and the keys and then sometimes I just come up with like with this Moog solo in Cassetto uh, is something I wrote and I write harmonies as well and when we write as a band I try to contribute a little bit with chords and rhythm too and um, then there's times that Tomek will come up with just an awesome bass line that we have to have it in there so we'll write the special bridge just to include that bass line there's time that Alec will just come with with cool guitar I mean mainly Alec writes on top of what has been written because he contributes with like weird and cool guitar sounds and Dennis is really great in the rhythm like sometimes he will just come up with an idea to have this awesome fills or something that makes the song feel less of this but more of that and we're like oh we're taking the song in this direction because this rhythm is killing it you know mm -hmm. so it's just kind of it's a band process but the skeletons have been mainly coming from Jim 
but not to say that we don't write as a band too but it's just hard not to work with really nice skeletons when they come to you like as much as it makes it so much easier to flesh it out yes totally yeah 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 so um yeah and we share the same musical taste it's been working out really well awesome now alita uh you come from an interesting place so i'd like to know (laughs) i'd like to know like you know where you came from and what influences you had when you were younger mm-hmm. uh, I mean you mentioned a couple of you know, rock and roll influences of course but you come from Kosovo and uh, which which is a place you know that is known to us who are outside of Kosovo as a uh, as constant conflict happening mm-hmm. especially now with the, with the government and the opposition's uh, protest how was how was it growing up in that environment so yeah i think that growing up in that environment was weird and interesting but i like it because it kind of made me an interesting person with stories to tell (laughs) you know what i mean like it'd be nice if i grow up in an old comfortable and you know no conflict no problems sort of no uh um how do you call difficulties or anything like that but in that unfortunate a sort of background with war and stuff like that I was quite fortunate uh, first I was fortunate because of uh, having a family which I do have mm-hmm. who are very very intuitive and I have to say smart people <laughs> I know it's not nice to say nice things about yourself but they are they were very smart <laughs> they, they made my childhood so interesting now uh, are you ethnically Albanian or Serbian I'm Albanian Albanian yeah how, how did, you, did your family were you raised in Pristina I was raised in a city that's one and a half hours away from Pristina which is kind of known as the cradle of civilization in Kosovo and really we joke about it because well, why is there's it? like I don't know just like a lot of intellectual people a lot of musicians writers former president and stuff like like that came from that city so we kind of have this joke with people from pristina like with my boyfriend and stuff like that oh no we're better no we're better and it's just (laughs) it's stupid because it's just so small kosovo it's like two million people so it's just funny to me how local we can get like we can get really really local uh, but so, so you lived in a very cultured environment then? Yeah, I did. Okay. And my, my father, he's a doctor, but his hobby is also, he had a band, he's a musician. He has like five, oh. six guitars. And what kind he of doctor is he? An internal medicine doctor. So he's, mm-hmm. he's concentrated in hypertension and sort of heart diseases. How about your is mother? It? Was she also into, in the medical field? She was, no, it's funny because everyone thought because she had that demeanor of, I don't know, maybe like a doctorish type of person and everyone would go to her rather than my father for medical advice. So they didn't know <laughs> which one was the doctor. But she she was an economist. Uh-huh. She uh, studied economics. She worked a little bit in radio. She had her own show. And then after that, she started working at school as a prof- like teaching in a high school teaching uh, economics project management um, until she passed away oh, sorry uh, to hear that. yeah five years ago so yeah and they they were both so interesting because they had great musical taste and this mm-hmm. 2000 uh, vinyls collection which is so awesome wow. yes yes my Did father, your father collected them my father collected them throughout life and he would tell me about like six hour trips to Athens to Greece to just like go and get this latest right. thing the record that came out from I don't know because I'm pretty sure at his time was the Cold War so well he, it was before war so war happened in the 99 right 
Uh, I was about 12 years, but it was always tensions like before the war because it wasn't, some people call it a genocide. Mm -hmm. So it was before that, it was um, big tensions like for the Albanian um, ethnical people, uh, schools shutting down, our language becoming uh, forbidden and just like a lot of things happening that made life difficult at the time, which I think helped me become a better artist because I would spend a lot of time with my family at home listening to music and watching cool movies and getting educated in like all these areas of, of culture and arts that maybe if I, if things have been different we'd be tempted to be more outside and do things in the outer world mm -hmm. so this kept us a little bit more tight as a family and more art oriented do you have any siblings i do have i do have two awesome sisters <laughs> all, all, all girls all girls. We're three uh, girls. Are yeah. you the oldest? I am the oldest. You're the oldest? Yes. Are they also into music? Or? They are very much. So my, my uh, second sister, her name is Harea, which means joy, happiness in my language. And she resonates that. But she is the complete opposite of me. She's this ballerina type, very sophisticated. She's and a she dancer. She plays piano. I, could, I, I oh. played piano as a kid, but I never had the patience that she had to just do all this classical stuff and she just can rock the Mozart or Bach or something like that uh -huh. and the other sister and she plays guitar as well and the third one she's like completely sort of rebellious and artist and she's coming to America to do her last and she's coming actually now I'm so happy about that to do her last high school year and she's writing and reading books and making a movie she just got like a big budget to make a movie before oh, wow. yes she raised money she's just just like this person who's very interesting to me she's only 16 I think she turned 17 recently I should be better about it but I forget my brother's <laughs> years all the time yeah so she's like our special after war kid my parents made her when we survived the war they were like we're it's a celebration make... kid yes celebration and she as that's exactly what she is <laughs> <laughs> but your father was a musician what instrument did he play a guitar so he's a guitarist he's obsessed with guitar he has like six at home which was funny because I, I saw this Gibson SG the other day. I was like, oh my God, I want to have it. I want to own one. I should save up. I should do something. Leticia from Stereolab plays it. And like a lot of cool people play it. And I talked to my father. He's like, don't get it. I have it. Come home. <laughs> I was like, really? You never failed to surprise me. You can just get mine. So, yeah. It must be nice growing up. It, it yeah it was really nice. So what, uh, you mentioned that you were a therapist. How, how do you get involved with therapy? I studied psychology back home. I had a problem knowing what I want to be because I wanted so many things and I always wanted art to be a part of me, but in a country like Kosovo, you can't really study art because one, you don't study what you want or the way you want it. It's it's very different. It's, it's a more controlled and it's, I don't know, it's just weird. And two, you'll be much more penniless than you can even be here. You know what I mean? Because you can't even work sure. other jobs. Here, at least right. you can do other jobs. Kosovo unemployment is high. It's hard to, to live. So I decided I did primary music school, and I decided that I'm going to study something, but always going to keep music by my side, right? I'm going to cultivate Like your father's it. footsteps. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. And then I started studying law and psychology just because psychology I really loved and I understood and being an empath made so much sense to me. But at the same time, I, I studied law because my grandfather was like a famous lawyer and stuff like that. He always wanted that. And it gave me some a bit of uh, confidence, financial confidence. Like I can always do something with law in Kosovo. And... 
when it came to the end of my studies, it was just getting too much. It was two things. We don't have major, minor. It was two different universities at the same time, like taking classes, running from one to the other and just oh, wow. like very intense. And I had to make a decision which one I want to finish first. I had to. And I made the decision to finish psychology because that's what spoke to me. I finished psychology and at the time I finished psychology, it just made no sense for me to be a lawyer because I just realized I didn't want to be a lawyer. I want to be a very fair and law-abiding citizen and recognize legal issues and even fight for them if I have to, but not by being a lawyer. Mm. So uh, not by actually being employed in that position so that, that there are other ways for me to, to fight those battles. And I picked up this uh, program, which was cognitive behavioral therapy program, really cool program that happened home. All the teachers were from America and Israel and like different places of the world. And I started training to become a therapist. And throughout that program, I was working with people because it's required. It's like you have to learn and work under supervision and stuff oh, wow. like that until I started working for the EU which was a really cool job for the press office of the EU. It was like one in once in a lifetime opportunity because yeah. it's just like pays great and you work with international people and you get to fight those legal battles that I didn't as a lawyer because it's the EU mission in Kosovo is to strengthen law, legal system, justice, courts and stuff like that. And I was doing my bit as a writer, as a outreach person. And after that, I won the Fulbright scholarship. And I was just like, okay. I was pursuing. You were so fucking busy. Like, like, how did you even make time to be a jazz singer on the side? I know. Oh, I had crazy. I, I have to say, I, I, I owe so much gratitude to many people in my life and support. Uh, like my family, as, as I said, but also my partner, Valon, mm -hmm. who helped me so much throughout this busyness lifetime. Like, he would just help me go grab instruments, do this. No, you just make it. I'm when did you guys meet? Oh, and was there music involved? <laughs> there was mo film. I'm so interested. Oh. Okay, I'm, I I haven't gotten to that, but I'm so interested in film. I'm crazy. We talked about, about that actually when we first met. Yes, because uh, I was studying film at San Jose State at the time. Yes, so I I met that cute creature in a in a film event. I shouldn't oh. say creature is a bad thing. Well, creature is a good. It's thing. your boyfriend. You call him whatever it's, you want. To me, it's a good thing. It's like a cartoon thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, uh, but I think creature. I think Miyazaki sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So, are you a filmmaker, Vlad? Nah, I used to be. You used to be. You what happened? Sort of a filmmaker. Yeah. I yeah I I make a couple of short movies like okay short documentary movies and that's how she came in to the second one I guess. It, yeah, was it was about music it was a, a documentary about music Talava music have you heard of it? is it uh, no what kind it's of music so is it? it's so weird because um, it's like this turbo folk is what we call it it's kind of very trashy folk Trashy, that, I love I love that genre. Trashy, trashy folk. folk. I think that's my that's that's the music <laughs> I play actually. Trashy American folk. <laughs> so trashy take, Bay Area folk. That's what I play. You take Albanian folk or even Balkans. You can just just really say Balkans at this point. It's not just sure. Albanian. It's from the whole region, and you add a lot of a lot of. Uh, uh, sort of corny synthesizers like doo -doo 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 -doo, like really corny synthesizers and it one song can last up to 20 minutes yeah. and it's just 
just very weird music and we don't know where it's coming from because it's like a phenomenon of the Balkans and we're like right. let's trace it uh-huh. so we paired up with a journalist and then this guy who's really knowledgeable this creature yeah this cute this cute creature <laughs> who's this like creature. <laughs> who's very knowledgeable about filmmaking and cameras and like has that 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 sort of thing that you have to have to understand movie making and me with my crazy passion and understanding from like for like people like uh, Lars von Trier or the yeah. Twin Peaks um, David, uh, uh, David Lynch David and Lynch, yeah. just like all that wanting to have all that weirdness and movie making sort of experience in my life yeah. and we're like let's do this and we kind of did it there were, there were like some monetary issues involved we, we won a grant from Switzerland but then there was like some things within the group happening so we kind of ended up having to get out of that project but we still uh, are credited and have uh, we got to compete in one of the best oh you should so go Jorge with your go. interest in movies it's called DocuFest it's one of the biggest documentary uh, uh, movie festivals in Europe. It's really good. It you has about seven stages. It lasts about a week. It's in prison and in Kosovo. It's amazing. Mm. And it ended up being shown there. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always expressed a lot of interest in European cinema, especially Eastern European cinema, um, uh, specifically Polish cinema, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel to this day is underrated in, in how... Uh, Film schools are not are very lightly passing through it. You should talk to Tom. Um, oh, cool. Our bandmate. But actually, uh, I'm not sure if it's a it's a Kosovo uh, specific. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if the festival is. I'm pretty sure the festival still. Has, is there a film festival in Kosovo? But that's the film festival in Kosovo. The Dokufest. Dokufest. It happens it, in Kosovo. Is there is there a narrative film festival? All I know because I was de- like, okay, it's a Balkan country. It was. It had to be Kosovo around that area. But I was reading a book called *The Cinema of Loneliness*, and this was. And this book made a huge impression of me, mm-hmm. uh, because this book talked about how different festivals were formed, such mm-hmm. as Sundance, Cannes, and all that. But it was a, speci- uh, a festival that in, in the Balkans that came out of the the nineties during the the, the, the war mm-hmm. and and the, and the genocide, and pretty much this festival was formed because. These these people who were you know living during wartime just got fed up being depressed all the time. Yes. So they collected ev- everybody's you know films they had, and it was VHS. So so some people had like you know uh, a, a Disney film here, some people had like you know a film here, and they would actually try to screen them, and that people would risk their lives to travel from one city to another. To go see this, to go to this little fe- film festival, okay. just to just to watch a movie. No matter if it was a shitty movie, it didn't matter to him. What mattered yeah, to him is yeah. they were together and they're watching a film. And for me, that, that that created such an impression of me. I'm like, I really gotta take my storytelling seriously because you never know where your film's gonna end up. And you don't know how much of an influence or how much of 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 uh, uh, escape it can provide to others. So yes. is this DocuFest? I don't know if it I is. Don't, I should I look don't back. think this is DocuFest just because timeline-wise, I think it happened a few years after the war. Mm-hmm. Might have been Kosovo. It sounds such a cool thing, but I couldn't take credit for it because I just don't know. I haven't heard of it before, but it, yeah. it's awesome. I'll, I'll look more. it up and I'll, I'll send you a link. Okay, that it. sounds great. 
But yeah, but that's that's DocuFest. It's really good, really cool. Highly recommend. A lot of people from all over the world come for DocuFest. Just Kosovo yeah. brightens up and becomes this really multicultural place and awesome. And it's held in Prizren, which is a city with lots of rivers and um, tower. Like, how do you call like the fighting tower on the top of the mountain? It's called Kaloya in my language. It's like where people would retreat to be safe when someone is... is oh, like is, a fort or something? Yes, kind? yes, okay. exactly. That's what it is. And that's where I met Valona, actually. We met a couple days before at the screening of a movie project, short project that he was part of, mm-hmm. about this really poor and poverty-stricken neighborhood in the middle of rich downtown in Kosovo. Mm-hmm. He was part of that project, and then uh, I saw him there, and we're like, oh, let's just go to DocuFest together, because we are both into this, and we can be good friends, and that's where we picked up our friendship, and cool. sort of more than that after. <laughs> now, you're doing all this, you're working for the EU, you're being a therapist on the side, and, and a jazz singer. Yeah. What made you make the move to the Bay Area? So, I'm doing all these things, and it's all pretty cool. But there's a little bit of emptiness in me. Like, other than the fact that I was I was comfortable living with Valon and my family, um, I was not doing, for example, the ILA project, like the type of music I wanted to do. I wasn't progressing so much on, on psychology, which is my passion, and like being more updated with, with studies, and just like be more professional, knowing more, being smarter in psychology. And... I'm feeling a bit like I could be doing more. So I tried and applied for this scholarship, which is a cool opportunity, which I was really, really skeptical I'm going to get just because psychology is not a uh, priority right now in Kosovo because it's a new country. There's not a, a lot of legal stuff, economy building that has to happen before we can think about things that are more luxurious, such as mental health and stuff like that. Although it doesn't make sense because mental health is important, but you know how it is. Like medicine, law and economics are always more important. And then I'm thinking, what can I do? I'll just try. And I tried, and apparently I was good enough at convincing that 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 twelve, a board of twelve people at the embassy that interviewed me, that it is important that you know someone sh- from Kosovo should be more knowledgeable and should know how to contribute to the mental health field in Kosovo, if given the opportunity. And next thing I hear is like, voila, you're given this opportunity. You're going to America. You're gonna get to do a master's in psychology, and that was awesome. It was a little bit heartbreaking because I had to leave a lot behind, but at the same time, it was just, whoa, this new world. And I was so happy and excited about it, and I didn't know where I'm going to go. I had some options, but ultimately the scholarship gets to choose for you based on your interest, research interest and everything, and they pair you up with the right university. And I hear about San Jose, and I'm like, what is that place? I've never heard about San Jose. And first thing I find is like, it's close to San Francisco. It's like, great. <laughs> that's that's yeah. good enough for me. And then I go and look deeper, and like my father comes to me. He's like, oh, listen to this song. And he sends a link. He's like, do you know the way to San Jose? Oh, I'm wow. like, oh, wow, cool. They have a song. Must be a the, good city. The Warwick. Is that her name? Warwick? Diane, Dion, Dion Warwick. Warwick, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. that version. And um, after that, I'm like, <laughs> it's so funny because a lot of people would say, "Oh, you're going to San Jose," because they see the way it's <laughs> written, and it's just like. <laughs> and after that, it's like, okay, I'm open for this adventure, adventure, and here I am. 
What was your first impression when you landed? Oh my god, it was so weird. I, I arrived at uh, close to midnight, so like close to 12 p.m. And I saw all yellow lights, just ye lots and lots and lots of yellow lights from the plane. Uh -huh. I was like, wow, this looks like a huge city. And I land and I get to a taxi and I'm going to the international house where I'm going to live for a semester. And all I see is a highway and a neighborhood. And I thought there's not going to be a downtown. So I was like crushed. I was like, no, what am I going to do without a downtown? That's going to be my, my downtown is my life where I'm going to find the cool crowd of people and the musicians and everyone. But then I go there and I go to my room. My roommate's already sleeping. I see a bunch of pink hair on a pillow. I'm like, okay, wow. And I know who this is. I, you know, exactly. I recognize that description. <laughs> yes. And uh, I go in my room and the lights turn off and I don't want to turn it on. I don't want to wake her up. I slip into the bed with clothes. I don't even unpack because I don't want to wake her up. And I'm like, okay. And the next day I wake up and like this pink hair lifts up and it's like a, a cute face. And that's my now my very close friend, Alicia, of three years. And my, all from yeah. there is like a great adventure. Alicia Bogart, a remarkable human being. A remarkable, yes. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's, she's the sweetest soul. She's like my social lubricant. Like every person I've met was through her. And she just like made San Jose a much better place and beautiful mm -hmm. experience for me. Now, how was the culture shock for you? Like once you start, you know, getting into the things around here. Um, it wasn't that huge because I've already been reading like uh, sort of like novels in in about American culture and stuff like that, and I've been watching movies my whole life and music, so it wasn't a huge. I kind of knew what to expect. It was different from what I was used to, but it wasn't very new like oh that's how they do it you know but there are a few things that still come as a shock to me like like, like people's obsession with convenience that's so funny to me like convenience stores no just like convenience and it's not convenient <laughs> or like the drive-throughs oh. of everything and stuff like that or like really people like, can get out of your car and walk over and eat and then walk back and drive that away that to me is like ah <laughs> you know so I'm just like I've been that, that coming is such from a, a valid criticism that's such a valid one I agree with you completely that I'm is a weird thing coming from a very real place where real stuff happened you know right. and stuff like that there's like much more to just like having to be convenient like you're living life and fighting for life and stuff like that yeah and then you come here and everything's about convenience <laughs> and i'm like okay i mean not with everyone right, right i'm right. generalizing obviously it's not a good thing to do but it's with some people so i'm still kind of like me and Vanon. sometimes when we hear people complaining about convenience of things we're just yeah. like rolling eyes it's like my, my <laughs> iphone charger it's so far from my hand and stuff like that it's like really <laughs> But, um, it sounds like the downtown area, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But then, then uh, not much, not much more than that. To mm. be quite honest with you. Cool. So, what's coming next for ILA? What's up? Gig, well, gigs coming up? Any any new EPs, tracks coming out? So yeah, so we are uh, playing a gig tonight, actually. Well, this podcast episode is not coming out till tomorrow Sunday. Yeah. Well, we we played the gig then. <laughs> <laughs> and it went awesome uh, <laughs> so uh, we have surfed. a few gigs lined up we're playing a f 
4th of July kind of private show and we have some things coming up but we're under constant threat of me having to leave and not knowing when I can be back because did I'm here graduate? with a visa I did graduate so, so I just graduated trying to get a <laughs> nice congrats are you trying to get a working visa so uh, it's a bit complicated because my scholarship requires me that I be home for some time and there's like some, some things related to it but I'm trying to make it work best so that I don't miss the band life too much and I don't have my band have to go on a lot without me or just like not do music or something like that and at the same time I have to be home for a bit of period of time so I'm figuring out between me and Valon who's working here for San Jose State I have to figure out mm. ways to um to stick uh, come back and stick around so yeah. under being under this constant threat we can't schedule gigs too far ahead like we have to miss a festival in Santa Barbara called Starry Desert something mm -hmm. I don't know what it's called Starry Night or something like that uh, but we're working that out our ambition is to record as much as possible we're figuring out where and how to record and who we want to produce more songs because we feel like if we have more material then there's even more reason to like put on shows or tours or if I can have my boys come to Europe and maybe have an appearance uh, appear in a festival or something like that that'd yeah. be like super good yeah well awesome having you here great talk we had a good talk right yeah I loved it it's like I got to talk to express about so many things I like to talk about it's a cute it's a very good space to do that oh thank you uh, but before we go the last question I ask uh, musicians to tell me about um, or to tell me of is talk to me about the evolution of your instruments tell me about the first instrument that you ever got in your life and, and had that left an impression on you <laughs> and then talk about the different uh, instruments until what is the la latest instrument you have now Cool, that's a cool question. So as far as I can remember, being a one or two year old, I think it starts for everyone with a little toy tambourine. <laughs> I don't know if a I'm tambourine. the exception, like a toy tambourine. Okay. I loved keeping the rhythm to my father's playing of, I don't know, like Santana or Pink Floyd or something. He's that good, huh? He's good, he's good. Yeah, he's very modest, but he's good. But he's a doctor, so you know, he has kind of like... To, to live that, you know, how I explained earlier, to be professional at the same time, musical. And um, that was the first way I can remember. Then I transitioned to a small guitar because my father had to have a, a, a kid that plays guitar, right? It's like his obsession. And I transitioned to that guitar. Wait, it what had nylon of, strings. What brand of guitar was it? I don't know. It was just a small guitar that you could get at the time in like the, the weird economy in Kosovo. There wasn't so much choice. So you would just grab whatever you, you, you find. <laughs> yeah. It's not like here, man. Right. I tell you that's like capitalism. You have choices. And back home it was more like there was one store that has these items and you could get them or you could miss getting them. Take it know? or leave it. Exactly. So there was this like small kind of kids guitar with nylon toys and again playing that with my father. After that I transitions in, transitioned into a Casio synthesizer because mm -hmm. I went started school, music school, piano, so I had to, to do that. And I was also playing piano at school at the same time, so it was like simultaneously between both. And after everything, when I graduated high school, my father got me an Ibanez. Uh, I, oh. I am so bad with remembering that particular name. Why? But I don't know. It's a beautiful...
beautiful custom-made black Ibanez with Abalon sort of um, uh, fretboard. It nice. was really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, my electric had, was Ibanez. I, I had to sell it. Actually, it's electric acoustic. So it it but it always had a problem with the neck, and we could never find anyone to fix it. That to this day it sounds like an Ibanez, all right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those things that have though. After next. that, I picked up my father's Epiphone broadcast. So I was mm, like okay. learning some jazz. The things. Epiphone. Yeah, the Epiphone. And then we bought a Yamaha electrical piano for my sister, which I would also play. And when I came here, I couldn't bring anything with me because I had big bag of limitations. So now here, I'm in pursuit of a good guitar. I still don't have. I have a Telecaster, like a really sort of. Um, one you can find in the market but I'm in pursuit of that and in the meantime I'm playing a micro Korg I used to play a Moog but we had to sell it because it had some flaws so now I'm playing mm. a micro Korg and trying well, to what's a micro what is it so a uh, micro Korg is just like a Korg synthesizer with you know like with a brain where you can program all sorts of, of um, tones within uh -huh. it but it has like really small it's very good for gigs because it has really small keys and you can take it anywhere with you and you can just like write new tones on the spot if you need to it's like it's a really cool one wow that's like a whole different level of like uh, of writing um, music you know because you, you can control the tone of it and exactly all yes totally so ILA is, is very big on on uh, playing with tones and synthesizers and like we a little bit pride ourselves of being about being tasteful with with tones and stuff and mood mook mm -hmm. was a big part of of our uh, music until we had to sell it but we're probably going to get a new one problem with those guys is they're so bulky they're yeah. very but they're the most beautiful instrument in terms of keys you can have in my opinion yeah. at least for our type of music so yeah we're experimenting and i'm now i'm looking at like new stuff maybe a juno synthesizer i'm shopping around but um mm. i'm gonna have something awesome by the time i leave i hope and how was your experience playing for the uh playing for people here compared to playing music in Kosovo? Oh, that's a good question because um, I, I think sometimes about it. Uh, I feel like people in here really appreciate the type of music we do. When we played Stretch, we had a really great San Jose crowd and people, many, many people came to us and they're like, this is the kind of music I like to hear today in live shows because I used to listen to Stereolab and Broadcast and all these cool bands and I miss this part of, of music and I want to have more of this and um, I feel or very appreciated and I feel like very motivated to to uh, write and to uh, be a better performer and stuff like that because I think I think people have good taste and I think they they take it seriously and back home for the jazz for the jazz crowd that I was playing it was pretty good but I'm not sure if everyone was educated enough in jazz music but I have to say that back home there were more of a background music and here were the like front ground music so mm -hmm. that's a great change for me I, actually the real question should be here is like how do you compare the jazz scene here to the jazz scene in Kosovo and, and playing for the jazz crowds uh, well, I haven't played for the jazz crowds here a But lot. you see them at Stretch or yeah, at, I've at, seen, at yeah, other for venues? Sure, for sure. So I, I feel like there's a difference. I feel like a lot of people here come out to uh, listen to jazz music. And maybe back home, a lot of people come out to socialize. And sort of it's the fancy thing to do to listen to, to jazz music. To be in a scene. Yeah, to be in a scene. But there, 
there are also a, a, like a crowd, a group of people who will just come and sit and stare for the whole yeah. set and just like be totally in it. Yeah. So there's exceptions everywhere, but I must say I feel people are a little bit more engaged here and I feel more embarrassed if I go to a live show here to talk and to not be engaged in watching the show than I feel back home. <laughs> Eldita, thank you for coming. Thank you for podcast. having me. It was a real pleasure and talking about all these things I really like. And there you have it, Odita Tarani. Isn't she amazing? She is awesome. Uh, it was a great privilege to have her here in the studio. It was a great chat with her. So, friendly reminder, please visit her band on Bandcamp. It is called Invisible Light Agency. And you can download it as well in Spotify. I believe they also have a Facebook page. So on Facebook, you should also search for Invisible Light Agency. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it till next week. Uh, but don't forget, visit jmspodcast.com. Show me some little support there. And uh, there is a Patreon, and there's also a GoFundMe page for this podcast. On top of everything else, you can email me at jmspodcast at gmail.com. And tell me if you enjoyed this episode. I always need your feedback. All right. So next week. See you later, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>